Hello, and welcome to Form and Function, a podcast exploring enthusiasm for everyday gear, from watches to EDC tech and lifestyle products. Join us as we chat, interview, and discuss topical subjects about subcultures we all know and love. Welcome to the Form and Function podcast, episode eight, I think we're on. Philip, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very good. It's been a good gear day today. Lots of parcels being delivered, but we'll get into that. Well, let's jump straight into it. You've got some exciting, exciting incoming or just arrived. Yeah, just arrived. So I had, it was like Christmas this, today. So I had a, a few things arrive. I've been after a, a smaller wallet or something to hold my card so uh i don't really i use my phone a lot today nowadays so i just need my cards for emergencies and my my uh, driving license so i bought this i think it's called an up card pouch or wallet from alpaca in this like really lovely x-pack olive green color and so far so good it's made it super thin so it's like, I think I've got six cards in here and it's the equivalent of just tying them up with a hairband, which is what I was doing before as, a, as an experiment to see whether it worked. That bit sticking out. Yeah, so the bit sticking out is you pull it and then the cards come up from the middle. So okay. if I were to describe this on audio, you've got a card on either side, so the ones you use the most, and then in the middle you've got a bunch of cards and they, there's this like ring pull sort of thing, leather tab. And then it all comes up. So it's as tight as you can get. It's quite clever. I think, I think we can just direct people to the show notes. And then the other one was the admin pouch, also from Alpaca, which I was hoping was going to be like um, a pouch for traveling and cables and all of that sort of stuff. So I'm going to test it on a trip next week. But so far, so good. It's about the size of like a field notes notebook. And then there's slots inside for... Uh, you get a bit of zip, zip sound here. The slots inside, it fits the Leatherman perfectly, pens. And there's some nice, like, elastic tabs here, which would be good for watch straps as well, which I quite like. I think all of the EDC listeners will be very familiar with the type of pouch. Yeah, it's very much an EDC pouch. I bought it as more as, like, a travel pouch for, like, that sort of stuff. So we'll see how that goes. One thing I learned, though, is that the X-Pack on here is a different type to the one on the wallet. and. I didn't quite realise that there was so many different types of X-Pack. Like this one's much more tighter weave. There's a whole load. Yeah, I, I have different different bits and pieces with lots of different types of X-Pack. And the, it's got a different tactile experience. Yeah, because this one... And colours too. Yeah, because the pouch is almost like Kajura. And you can't really see the, 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 the X's in the, in the, kind of the, the grain, but you can with the wallet, which I think I prefer. So the, wallet, the wallet's winning at the moment. And then the third, the third thing is... So Ken inspired me to get a small Victronox to go on my keychain, and I've since bought some titanium scales. I think I mentioned these previously, but these are really nice scales that I found. They're found on AliExpress. I'll put a link in the show notes, but they're really, really good quality, and they've got a nice kind of like linear grain to them, going kind of along the length of it. And the, the quality is pretty decent, actually. They do look good, but a little piece of me is dying inside when you say you bought the one at AliExpress. I know, I know. I did, uh, <laughs> basically because I couldn't find anything like that anywhere else. So, and it's a bit of an experiment. So, this is going to end up in my pocket being bashed about. It won't look as nice as this. 
even the um, the plastic scales that came off this. I've only had this for about two weeks, and the plastic scales were destroyed because they've just been rattling around on my keychain. So I'm not I'm not going to be protective protective with this one. It's more just a nice little thing. But yeah, I'm pretty happy with all of those little purchases. Well, often I have some new gear too. Um, although not one that I can hold up to the camera because it's one that I am on the camera of. Where this is the first episode recording on the new MacBook Pro, which is cool. It kind of fits the yeah the it's this whatever it is space black, which is very very ninja, which which I love, but it's just not really me. As in, I I really like black stuff, but I'm people who know me in person know that I'm there's nothing ninja about me really yet. I really quite like the whole blackout stuff, but yes, yeah, so I'm loving this in my first my first ever Mac book my first ever apple computer of any kind other than ipads i don't know how you've managed to do that i think in the back of my mind i was a gamer a pc gamer and i mean macs are and still are even this one is not going to be very good for gaming but macs have always been terrible for gaming and i've always had in my mind that i want my computer to be able to game that doesn't mean i've actually gamed on it for probably that much for like a decade yet i've still bought you know my i have a i still have a desktop computer but it, but it, and it's insanely powerful. But it's you know, I kind of like I, I think I've maybe like I don't know ten times a year we'll we'll play something on it. So it's not like it's a, a sort of regular usage thing. So I kind of figured let's let's give it a go. Yeah, a black ops black, black ops yeah. MacBook. It is which I'm which, yeah so far so good. The the experience has been frustrating in some ways. I think just all my life of you know to what probably thirty years let's say of PCs. To, to go to a MacBook is quite a quite a jump in in some ways, and there are some things that the Mac OS is just terrible. Unlike the iPad and the and the iPhone, which are so intuitive, are so easy to do. You know, you can hand it to any sort of tech muggle, and it's fine. The MacBook, it's not like that. It's it's clearly a tool. If you see what I mean, as in, it's not designed for everybody. It's it's like a computer, I suppose. Yeah. You have to learn the shortcuts rather than discover them, yes, I guess. Yes, and that's a different, you know, at my age, the idea of learning something new is didn't necessarily appeal, but but it is a beautiful device to use, and there's a lots of other elements about it that are really nice. And the battery life is the most impressive thing so far. I think I've, I've I, today actually was the first time I've plugged it in in like a week, and, and it's no noise at all, which is eerie. My old laptop used to fire up. If you played a video on it of any kind, it would fire. These big old fans would fire up and it would whir away in the background. The cost of it, I guess, is an investment. From all accounts, buy a reasonable one and it'll last you for four or five years rather than you know, the traditional Apple kind of cycle for me is every two years. I can't see the need to necessarily replace this one from a functional point of view, other than just they bring out a new version that looks really cool or something. I don't know. I'm a sucker for that, but... Let's let's do a quick wrist check. I've got on my my Rolex Explorer sixteen five seventy, but on a on a strap today. I'm in a, I'm in a strap mode with this watch at the moment. So it's got a grey green like like almost a stone coloured strap like with a kind of the double stitch on it from Telus Telaus straps. And I I dug this out. I actually bought it for a white alpinist that I had a while back. And then realised that this would fit, but I, I've just been on a on a strap run with this rather than NATO's, just because I realised that the reason this works so well on the bracelet sometimes is because just the taper, and you don't have. And I, I'm a I am a NATO guy, but this watch just lends itself to having a nice taper on. Yeah, I'll put a link up to these guys. These guys do really nice straps, kind of very slim, kind of nice supple leather, really well made. I'm not sure where they're based, but it's pretty cool. It looks good, I and mean, that watch always looks good. 
<laughs> it's very hard to make this watch look bad. It is, yeah. Well, I'm I'm wearing a watch I don't wear that much at the moment. My Speedmaster. So my, I guess, 60th anniversary. I'm not sure how you designate it. Sort of broad arrow one, which they did like a trilogy thing back in maybe 2016, 2017, something like that. And they sold, you could buy all three. I think this, uh, a Seamaster and a... Railmaster. I'm not sure there was Railmaster. I can't remember what they were now. I can picture them. There's like, I think there was like a Seamaster 300, a Speedy, and then one other. But anyway, we'll, we'll, yeah. But you could you could buy them as a trilogy, or you could buy them you know, kind of separate. Just randomly was walking into an Omega boutique on, on then on Oxford Street and they had one and that was a surprise and yeah, I bought it and I've, I've loved it ever since. And that's the one with the flat lugs, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. So the trilogy one as opposed to, they did another another one with kind of twisted lugs and that sort of thing. I think maybe a few years, possibly earlier. The straight dimensions on this, I think are 38.6 or something random. So as, a, as people know, the, you know, my preference for smaller watches it is thick, as in it's not thick, thick, but it's you know it's got a got a baby's got back. I think it looks good to me. Yeah, it was the Railmaster. The it Rail was Master. the Railmaster. Okay. So Railmaster, Seamaster, and Speedmaster. Uh, okay. And the Railmaster is basically the same as the Seamaster three hundred from that area without a bezel. So it's kind of that twelve three six nine uh, thing. Okay. Yeah. So like that nice pretty dial. That the actually the Seamaster of this era of that trilogy was really cool. Because it was a 39, whereas I think all the reissue type ones are a bit bigger. So this did come on a bracelet as well, but it, but I have never I've never even worn it on the bracelet. It was just it was so shiny, and so kind of counter to to in my opinion the aesthetic of this watch. It was just a bizarre. You know this this deserves to be on a good strap. Actually, I've got this on the Wolf Grey Veblenist strap that I had on a previous watch a month or so ago purely because those new straps that came in have gone on to other watches and, and have, have shuffled around. So this one's now got this one on, which works quite well because it's sort of greyish dial and then greyish strap. Yeah, it's nice. The dial on that's really cool because it's almost like grey-black, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, also, apologies if, if my voice, I've suddenly actually realised my voice is probably coming across slightly differently to normal. And that is I'm, I'm on the tail end of, a, of one of the many bugs, as newish fathers know. <laughs> We pick up an awful lot of bugs from our little children, and this one hit hit my throat. We've not been able to record actually for for probably about almost two weeks. Part of that was just my throat has been. You know, I've been kind of croaking along. This isn't too bad. This is okay. I thought it was your best mid midnight DJ impression. Late night love. So how about a bit of watch news? Do you have anything? Yeah, I've got one uh, from today actually. Oh. So uh, you may not have seen this, but it, and it, and, it, and it's going to be. I know it's going to be fairly controversial with you, but we'll we'll see anyway. So last year, Serica released a GMT watch that was kind of this black and white, really nicely executed, like kind of GMT watch, similar to my Serica dive watch, kind of a black and white bezel. The only thing that bothered me about it was on the bezel. They kind of put post meridian, anti meridian, and it kind of just didn't. It just didn't quite balance out. But it's still a pretty cool uh, watch. So that's the eighty three fifteen. And then today they released what they're calling the desert red colorway of this watch. I haven't seen. And ooh, 
It's interesting. So the reason I think this is controversial with you because is because I know you don't like brown watches. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it does that mid-century aesthetic really, really well of like brown Baker-like looking. So they do, uh, Serica do ceramic bezels better than anyone, almost as good as Rolex. And it's kind of got this brown Baker-like looking Brown and white baker like looking GMT bezel, and they just they just nailed the mid century vibes with it. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, it is it is a little bit on the seventies brown for me. Yeah, I mean, like Oris. Have you seen the Oris Collective Horology yeah. combo? Yeah, so the... I was I was going to bring that up. So I think this is more my my jam than this that is Oris. much more subtle. That's that's just I'm afraid. To, I, I I love Oris. I love the Diver sixty five. That's a cool watch. Um, I love a lot of the stuff that Collective Horology have done as well, actually. But the that's just it's it's too much. Um, it's two seventies. Seventies is not an era where design. There was a lot of design, but it wasn't all good. Some things deserve yeah. to stay in the past, and and the color choices from the seventies, I'm afraid, to me is one of them. Yeah, so this is much more mid. This is more like mid-century to me, like I, kind I, of like. But I think the red in this is it saving grace. It does it, you know, kind of that sort of reddy brown as opposed to yeah. sort of earthy colored, rather than being sort of muddy. I know that sounds weird. That sounds kind of similar, but it like kind of ochre element to it rather than. That's cool. It's yeah. a, they also they're the really good at colours. Basically, is the black enamel? Is that a new one too? So the black, the black one they had last, the black one they released last year. Did they? Okay. Yeah. So the so the the update is the colourway. Ah, uh, okay. And then the black. Oh, is the black? No, the black enamel one was last year's one, and then okay, they've just updated it with this colourway, and it's the same as the blue dive watch that i've had with the blue bezel they they just when they when they go out of the like they do they first release these sorts of watches in like black or or white but as soon as they start bringing one of these kind of colors they just do colored ceramic really well and their tones are really good so i just like a heads up to to serica around the 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 colorway and just being really clever with color i think is the the thing there it might not be to everyone's taste but i think it's pretty cool i think they do a good job i think i also i don't think it's particularly kind of hard for people to like if you see what i mean i think that the they they pick up on a lot of historical design cues that that people love i think it's quite an easy one to love really isn't it um here's a weird one on those would you go for the for the nine o'clock or the three o'clock position for the crown yeah so i mean i got so i got mine at three o'clock purely because I thought if I sell the watch on, then I might want to do the obvious thing rather than having it at three o'clock. But I have considered taking it to a watchmaker and getting them to spin it round because that's literally all it is, is because the case is exactly the same either way. So you just have to take the moving turn and spin it round because it's quite a chunky crown. So but it's cool. And they also just introduced today some pretty cool. So end links, they, they, they've got these guilloche end links. Yeah, they introduced. Now I know that you're not a big fan of the whole end link and strap look, and I'm not either. But again, they've done the design really well. So this might, this is more of a. I don't think I'd buy this watch, but I'm appreciating the design of it and the thought that's gone into it. I think of I could live with the way they've done it. I don't like when they those sort of solid end links on a strap, but they've done a good job. It looks good. Yeah. 
What's your watch news, James? Um, so I've got two. We never actually talked about this brand in the past. Trasca. Oh, yeah. I know Trasca. So it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a micro brand, probably in a similar sort of space as maybe Helios. Helios. Uh, they brought out last week, or maybe say maybe 10 days or so ago, a GMT called the Ventura. It's a, or rather, they re, redid it, a, a kind of a, an iterated version of it. 38.5mm diameter, it's about 46mm lug-to-lug, about 10mm thick, which for a GMT is pretty cool. Yeah, nice. I think, and and for for that price, I I haven't actually written down how much it is. Seven hundred twenty dollars. I'm just having a look now. It's pretty. I think that's a pretty compelling watch. My, I, I've been. I, I like a lot of what Trasca do. A lot of it could be classed as maybe a little bit on the boring side, but I kind of feel that I'm pretty boring in my watch taste, and I think so are most people. You know, you want a watch that looks a certain way, and I think these look good, and the. I've I've handled it in in the person I, I didn't I didn't know this was the case when I handled it, but they have a hardened coating or hardened finish to their steel that apparently is super tough. A podcast that I listen to, they talk about Trasca a fair bit. Fourteen twenty podcast, and they talk about the case it quite looks a bit. nice as well. Just the way they've executed the case looks it's pretty good. I mean, there's loads, kind of loads of their watches are really cool, and it's just a really good price segment i think you know they chuck a ton of of good specs having just gone through a load of specs yeah i kind of i I think it's really impressive the other one that is the other end of the spectrum and is a bit of a weird one for me it, it, it came out today so today we're recording this on on tuesday is iwc brought out this performance chrono in so it's not a watch that i would buy because it's 41 mil and, and it's a big old pilot's watch. But based on the watch that I'm wearing today, it with a tachymeter, 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 they brought out in a titanium version and a serotanium version. Both of them, oh, nice. I think, in some kind of connection to Petronas. Yeah, I think it's the F1 team, right? So yeah, I think it's so. The... It's the, I think it's inspired by the, is it the Mercedes F1? Yeah, the AMG. Petronas. I think yeah. it's part of those, part of it too. The and they, Lewis Hamilton will be wearing both of them. Oh god. This week probably. Well, immediately put me off the watches, but the serotonium, the like blacked out serotonium one with that kind of Petronasy, uh, like greeny bluey color. Yeah, it's cool. Turquoisey color. I think that it's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. And serotonium is a material that I really want. IWC is one of those brands I just I want to just beat them around the head repeatedly until they make a watch that I can buy. I basically want a thirty-six mil serotonium watch. <laughs> so for the for the layman, serotonium is like hard, but a bit looks a bit like ceramic, right? It's a bit hard, hard and like like titanium, but looks a bit like ceramic. Is that the? Deal? I think very basically, and with the the name. It's a hybrid between serotonin, um, between you know, both sides. So it's taking a lot of the qualities of the titanium and combining it with that sort of feel of of that sort of seracoated type feel. Yeah, they're really good in person. Those forty ones, super impressive. Yeah, not, not to be confused with unobtainium. That's different. So only <laughs> Rolex makes models uh, unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. 
So the episode this week, we're going to talk about if we could choose the specs of of a watch for ourselves, then what would we choose? Philip, you you kick it off. I, I guess that the idea behind this came from the fact that Ken basically did this. He he said, I want to wake a watch for myself and then ended up making a watch company. <laughs> I thought this would be a fun exercise. When I was thinking about this, I basically opened my, opened my watch box, which is, um, I might put a picture in the show notes or work out how to do that. And I thought if I could turn all of these, so there's 12 watches in the watch box. So I'm just looking at it now. If I could take the best bits of these and turn it into one watch, I'd have to, I'd have to get rid of these 12 and just have the one. What would I do? So that's a brutal kind of twist that I hadn't thought of, that idea of you, you can only have one watch like this. The best bits, like the greatest hits of these, but like, how do I merge them all into a perfect thing for me? So, so to start off with, it's going to be a cause sort of a 39 mil, 40 mil case. So that, that's just kind of my preference. I've got smallish wrists, but I kind of like that size and the presence and everything else. But it's going to have short lug to lug, so 46, 46 and a half, that sort of thing. And it's either going to have, and I can't decide which, but they're kind of similar, so maybe I don't have to. It's either going to have kind of an oyster-style case, so a bit like a like a 90s Tudor or a 90s Rolex, or it's going to have very similar to the case that's on my Helios. Okay. Which is kind of a hybrid, I'd say, between that sort of a case and a twisted lug, a mega case. And there's a bit of moaning thrown in there with the way they do the crown guards. But the Helios case, I think, is is really well thought through. So Jason, I think, this is like the, the one that I've got, the C4-4, um, and he's iterated the case a few times. So I think he's done a good job there. So that sort of a case. Yeah, so short lug to lug. Titanium, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yeah. So you say titanium, but are you picturing fully kind of matte, blasted titanium, or are you picturing so so a bit more like the Pelagos thirty nine, or are you picturing so you know my Grand Seiko with its polished titanium? Are you picturing kind of that? What where where on the spectrum? So I'm picturing more like the Pelagos, but. Really thinking about like the way the lugs the way the lugs are set up. So either doing what's on the Pelagos, which is where they brush the beveled lug in the opposite direction to give it some presence, or again what Jason did on the C fourth, which is polish out the, the the beveled lug. So like the beveling on the lug is really important to me. That little kind of like that bit strip or bevel. Okay. Because all of the kind of the '90s watches that I really like have got that um, kind of like late '90s Rolex and Tudor. I've got that kind of thing. And it has just, it just like, even on the Pelagos, which is completely brushed, it adds just a little bit of like shape and, and like form and elegance, I guess, to the to the looks. At least on my wrist, it kind of makes them sit, sit a bit better. So yeah, 39 and then 20 mil lug width, mainly just for strap changes. I have more 20 mil straps than anything else. And it fits with the kind of the 39 case. Would you have it as a... Uh, I mean, a bracelet, I'm assuming you'd have in titanium as well. As in, would you have a, a bracelet or would you just have a watch that's just going to be on straps and NATOs? And... Just on straps and NATO. So I'm either going to do one of two things. I'm either going to basically do a reproduction of the... So it's going to have drilled lugs and to make strap changes a bit easier. But most of the time, I basically want it to have this kind of 
fixed lug like aesthetic okay so it's either going to have like a panerai style screwed in fixed lug that you can get out so that you could put a strap on it if you wanted to but otherwise you've got this kind of like solid bar or it's going to have which is inspired by the strap change i did on this is my, my rolex has got drilled lugs and it's got the the really thick rolex shoulderless spring bars that go the whole way through the lug and these aren't close enough to like a fixed spring bar, as in you, these are not coming out, basically, unless you poke them out. So it's either going to have one of those two things. But the idea being that largely it's a fixed spring bar, but you can you could take it out and put it on a strap if you wanted to. Okay. But if I, yeah, I'd have it as like a, no bracelet, as like a forcing sort of mechanism. Of, <laughs> and mainly, basically, yeah, none of my watches are currently on their bracelet. Which is goes to show how I like to wear the watch. What about dial color? Dial color. Okay. So the general theme of this watch, if you know me well, this this is not going to be a surprise. But the general theme is like monochrome with a pop of red somewhere. <laughs> and I was thinking whether it would be a white dial and then kind of with black or black with with kind of white. Okay. But then I realised it's really hard to do white dial well. And that's one of the reasons I like the Explorer that I'm wearing today. So I think it's going to be a black dial, but like a matte black, almost grey, a bit like you'd get on a 5513 like maxi dial sub. Okay. So kind of like really matted, matted out. So the idea, the idea with this general aesthetic is to be kind of like quite militaristic and like and and really legible as well. A bit like my Rowmaster dial colour. Yeah, yeah, that like sort of thing. Matty. Blacky grey. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't think I have a watch that's kind of got that sort of dial really, but um, I quite like one, come to think of it. But yeah, sort of like a matted out dial, like almost, almost black grey sort of thing. Okay. So, so 39 mil, but thickness. I, I'm saying but that way because assumption being one always wants stuff slimmer. However, if you're going for that kind of, like slightly sort of not tactical, but sort of military-esque look, if it's really slim, that might kind of look weird, especially with like an oyster case or something. You know, part of that style is, is you know, a, a bit of thickness, you know, a bit of, yeah, a bit of side. Yeah. So the, I think the contributing factors to kind of give it that kind of like chunky or rugged, rugged look, one, one of them is it's going to have a GMT movement in it. So ah, that okay. will inevitably add a bit of, a bit of a small bit of heft, but not too much. Not we're not talking Black Bay Pro territory here. We're talking more like, like again, nineties Rolex GMT type of thickness. Like the one you're wearing today, I guess. That, like that, the one I'm wearing yeah. today. What's yeah. that? But like eleven and a half, something like that maybe. Something, something like that. It's still to me like the best like configuration of a GMT. If someone makes a watch this thin with this sort of movement in it, that doesn't cost this much. I will probably buy. It. And then the bezel, I think, so the, so GMT movement, so as close to, to this kind of Rolex movement as possible, so jumping hour movement, and it will be, there will be a date, but it's going to be on a black, Ooh. it's going to be on a black um, kind of colour matched to the dial, so that it's, it's kind of hidden in there. I know that that's controversial, but <laughs> purely out of a practical sense i do miss a date when i'm not wearing a watch with a date on it it's a weird thing and aesthetically i prefer 
not to have one, but when I'm wearing this or when I'm wearing the Aquastar, um, they've got dates. And if, and if I jump to something else, I'm kind of miss it weirdly. GM, so GMT movement. And then what I'm going to do is to kind of add that chunkiness and that heft. It's going to have a dive bezel instead of a GMT bezel. It will have a GMT 24-hour rehort. So a bit like um, there's a couple of watches that has have this set up. So the S302, Bremont. So you can basically do the second time zone on the rehort, but you can use the dive bezel as a dive bezel. But as I don't dive, but it's actually going to be bi-directional because I, it has more function that way, basically much yeah. easier to use bi-directional bezel. Fully graduated just because it looks cool and probably a bit more balanced. And then as close to the kind of the bezel action as like a Tudor. As in like BB58 or Pelagos 39? Because they're quite, it's going to be titanium, isn't it? So yeah, it's going to be probably closer to the Pelagos 39. And I kind of, I do like the, the bezel on that because it's nice and easy to grip. Yeah. Oh, I do too. I, feel like, I know big people give it a hard time, but I, I like it still. Yeah. So that's sort of a bezel, kind of chunky bezel, but it's going to have a, it's going to have a, an aluminium insert in it. So again, like a nineties type insert and it's going to be, and this is, this is to go along with the kind of the slightly gray black dial. It's going to have kind of a ghosted sort of gray bezel. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, so it's supposed to, the the aesthetic here is to look a bit like kind of an older mil spec type watch but with a bit more functionality and kind of like a bit more of a modern twist to it. Okay, on that, on, in the spirit of a modern twist, sapphire case back or, or closed case back? I'd say probably a closed case back purely because it's going to have a NATO on it most of the time. Uh, okay. And, and also, I don't know how good to look at the movements are in these sorts of watches. But you'll obviously be creating a whole new special yeah. movement. And I guess even I'm trying to think of I can't think of any GMTs off my head, but even if you take like stock, you know, a stock Salita movement or something, they they can be finished pretty damn nicely. And it's yeah, I don't know. With mechanical watches, I always like to be able to see the movement if I can. Yeah, I, you know, like the I had that I had that um, Black Bay Fifty Eight Silver, you know, as in like silver the metal. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot you. Yeah, and that had a see through case back. And it added it added maybe a mil or so onto the thickness. And if I'm honest, I that that was the first time I thought, well, actually, maybe I wouldn't bother. But I have a huge collection of watches, so that's you know, kind of like having it on some and not others is a different thing. But if you've got one watch, so you're handing in all your watches and you're creating this one watch, then I I, I yeah, I kind of I think it it changes it slightly, doesn't it? It changes that like the desire to have one or not. It puts some more pressure on on being able to see this is the only movement you own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it. Actually, yeah, maybe. Okay, you've sold me on the you've sold me on the uh, <laughs> on the on the exhibition case back then. And then I guess the the kind of the key bit of the I was trying to work out how to how to make this kind of like mil spec thing work with the GMT basically. So I was having a dig around and looking at the watches I've got and everything else. And so I have this thing about stop zone legibility and like it really, it really winds me up when a watch isn't legible. So the extreme case of this is my moon swatch, the Jupiter, <laughs> is really not legible because yeah. the hands are almost the same color as the dial. And it's fun, it's a fun watch, but it's really not legible. The most legible watch I have 
when you say not legible watches that one still likes, my head goes straight to, you know, my Corona Tokyo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a cool watch. I, I love it anyway. But, but oh, good God, telling the time on it. Um, you know, I've been telling the time since I was, what, like, I don't know, three, four, yet. I have to pause. Go, which hand's which? They are beautiful hands and what sort of thing. But I, I think legibility, and, until you have a watch that it isn't legible, so like your moon, moon swatch, it's kind of, uh, I think I was fairly apathetic to it. I'm not now. I now get why that would be really important. I, I literally look for it in the watches that I've got. It's kind of like all of them are really, really legible for one reason or another, whether it's the contrast between the hands and the dial, whether it's the shape of the hands, whether it's anything else. So, yeah, I was looking looking at the watch box thinking, okay, what, which dial do I, uh, which, which kind of handset and, and markers do I pick out of these? And then I was... I was thinking about this just general aesthetic of this kind of 90s tool, like because you know I like the era of these kind of like late 90s, early 2000s, that era of watches. I think they're pretty cool. And then I realized my CWC has got the the um, the most legible dial. So obviously like that mill spec dial with the big pizza, 12 o'clock. And then I was thinking, okay, how do you make this work with the GMT hand? So what I did is I remembered the there's that the Omega Great White which is the white Seamaster oh, okay. with the GMT hand. And then they also did, around the same time, they did the 50th anniversary GMT Seamaster, which is called a 253450. Um, mm. We'll put it in the show notes. And, and I'll just show, I'll show James quickly, and then I'll, I'll describe what's going on here. Oh, whoa. Okay, um, with that, and that split bezel color. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> When you're used to Seamasters, that's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So I'm obviously not having the split bezel because I'm having a dive bezel. Well, that, I mean, it reminds me a bit of our mutual friend Pete's Seamaster, you know, yeah. that kind of the setup of that dial. Yeah. So they, in, in those, um, so that we're talking kind of 90s Seamaster uh, with the, with the mill spec hands and the, the, sorry, the sword hands and the kind of the mill spec dial. The reference will come to me of Pete's in a second, but. So you've got the kind of the sword hands, the, board, the kind of the, the pig pizza cut out at number 12. Everything's very legible. There's tons of loom. But they on here, they do a really nice job with the with the GMT hand. And it almost looks like a spear. And I was umming and ahhing between doing, basically putting like a, a GM, like a big kind of red uh, GMT hand, a bit like you'd get on the, the Seiko GMT or something like that. But then I saw this and I thought, They've just done a really like it's actually very pretty well balanced, yeah. um, and uh, so I'll, I'll put this one in the show notes. But this is a really cool watch, actually. Apart from like the, I think the bezel is a bit marmite. It's too much. It's though it makes it makes that what is a relatively busy dial. If you had a plain black bezel, I think that would be you know it would, it would help the dial more. Yeah. I can see why they didn't necessarily stick with that as an aesthetic. Yeah. So that would that, that would be. My, basically like the ultimate merging of all of the things that I like about the various watches I have. So being able to track a second time zone, still having the usability of the bezel, stop uh, kind of stop sign legibility, monochrome with a pop of red, Thule aesthetic, titanium, monster. Ken's going to have to get busy, isn't he? Yeah, I think we're going to have to commission Ken. Um, the, the Seamaster I was thinking of, well, both of us were thinking of there was the uh the two two five four fifty 
which is the one with the with the, the sword hands. Okay. So if you if you know what that is, you'll know what what I mean about this this kind of fiftieth anniversary edition GNT version, which is a cool watch. is worth looking up anyway. We'll, we'll probably I think we stick a we can stick a link to Pete's watch from his Instagram. I'm sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what are the bits. One last one. One last thing, which is also really important, is is loom. So, uh, okay. Like I, I really appreciate good loom, and it's one of the things that lets a few watches down for me. So it actually like lets my Pelagos down a little bit because the loom is not as good as it could be. What about colour of loom? Yeah. So so we're going to take the loom out of the Helios, uh, which I think is the same loom as like a modern Rolex uses, a so chromolite. It's like this kind of like. Oh, they're they're the only ah, oh, that's true, isn't it? They're the only brand that have, is it the license or the ability or whatever to use actual? It's just quite expensive, I think. Like Rolex, yeah, which is cool. That that watch is literally like a a light bulb at night because the again you've got kind of the big markers and then all of the bezel is loomed and the the fully graduated bezel. So I do the same sort of thing as that with the same loom. Whatever Lumi he's using, it is it's better than anything else that I've got. It's just it's a it's an amazing color. It like it just stays lit for longer. It's brighter. I do I I do think the color is more important. That I said I I've, I find it more important now than I used to. Um, and I think that's yeah, having had some that don't have great colors or fun enough the the thinking of of Loom colors in the same or different Loom colors in the same watch, roughly the same watch, the the Explorer One. So the, the the one I have, which is what the one one four two seventy, is that right? I could go that wrong. Yeah, no, that's so right. So essentially, the previous version of the thirty six mil Explorer, that one has the green. You know, at the time that was the normal kind of Rolex color of of Loom. The new one has obviously the the kind of bluey green version, and I really like. No, I don't. The Loom is good on the the previous one, as in it's you know there's plenty of Loom. However. The lack of that bluey color, which I have on my OP, it's just I just prefer yeah. that color. It's just a nicer color loom, in my opinion. But so that's yeah, it's kind of, and that's the only one where I've seen, and it's the same watch. So kind of these little incremental changes, but they do they do make a difference. And that was that's probably the one thing that I wish mine had. And I'm frankly fairly happy with mine. But yeah, it's almost like a blueberry bubblegum color is the way that I describe it. You know when you buy, it, you know, and you see like a packet of blue bubblegum. It's like that sort of a color. It's like a it's it's like a really nice blue. But yeah. So that's the, that's the deal. So highly tooly, uh, late nineties, early two thousands inspired tool watch with all the best bits of all the watches I've got. I probably could have picked, I reckon, ninety percent of yours, and I'm gonna take a punt and say you're probably gonna be able to pick ninety percent plus of mine as well. I think the number of conversations we've had about all of these details at various points, but yeah. So okay, so mine, I, uh, one one notable difference between yours and mine, and this is people will, will probably know where I'm going with this. Mine's just a bit smaller. Um, so I'm still looking at a probably dive style watch, shall I say? So so Bonnet Black Bay Fifty Eight, Black Bay Fifty Four, that type of style. I think with the case on the Fifty Four, that would work very well for me. I can't remember what the lug to lug is on that, but uh, but a lug to lug of let's say I could shave one or two mil off the lug to lug yeah. of that. Funny enough, 
Um, not that that bothers me, but but if I'm making up my own, then then why not? So down to maybe like a 44, 45. So like an, an, a 36 mil OP type length bug lug. Thickness, I think does bother me, but maybe like 10 mil, something like that. I've seen plenty of sport watches that have that sort of thing. You've just you've just skimmed it out as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's I, yeah. I, Eleven would be fine, but if we're picking, then I'd say ten. Any smaller, and you start getting you know. So there's a delicate element that starts coming, which is cool. It can be great on different watches, but I think on this on our titanium watch, it's got to have a certain thing to it. Which so obviously, it's titanium. It just, I, yeah, I mean so that's kind of a given. But no polished anything, weirdly. So. Aesthetics wise, if anyone's seen the Blancpain 38mm Bathyscaph, that the Houdinki one. Either one from the point of view of, of the case finishing. So they both right. have a really matte finishing. I don't necessarily mean the colour, because titanium would be a bit greyer than both of them. But, yeah, but yeah. that but that finishing, I think it that would fun off the case of that's pretty damn good. Um I think that would yeah. get close to the kind of case that I'd be after. So the case on that is very, very similar to the case that's on my Helios. If you actually look at them side by side, so I wouldn't be surprised cool... if there was a little bit of R and D. I mean, obviously, Blancpain. If you're if you're building a a dive watch, then I can see how you're you're looking at you know, what Blancpain do. You're looking at what relics do. You're looking at you know you're taking the bits of those and feeling those watches and seeing where to go. So I can see how you might get, and, and also like it's not like it's a novelty thing is it dive watch is a yeah. kind of a thing so that's fair dues but so are we talking no crown guards then because that one's just got a big crown i think um yeah i'm I, enough, I don't feel strongly about that i'm happy again i think probably no crown guards i think from the point of view of just general uh visual aesthetics keeping it on the smaller visual side so like the 54 has none versus let's say the pelagos that has some yeah I kind of yeah, I think I would I would move to the having no crown guards and and a smaller crown too again and that that I don't want a sort of you know pilot crown or something. I'm thinking of like a like a Longines or something that has just a slightly oversized crown, which I, you know I don't dislike, but I wouldn't choose because the crown's smaller on the 54 than it proportionally than it was on the 58. Yeah, right? yes, the 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 crown yeah. when I first got the 54 that annoyed me a bit, but then I realised that I'm not. Like, why am I undoing the crown often? If you sort of mean, it's not a, it's, it's just not a, it's, it's not a thing. It's a spec issue, not a real issue. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, so, and, and, but aesthetically, it, I like the fact that it's small. If you sort of mean, it's not, it's not all about the crown, which is great visually. I think on the visual side. Yeah. What color are we going? So, so I can picture this in my head. Dial wise. Yeah. So, fun enough, I, almost identical to you. I think that I want that slightly grayed black matte black yeah so not that dissimilar thinking of along the same kind of blanc power line not that dissimilar to the the hodinky blanc power i think which had a matte black dial yeah. color i think that that kind of that that wasn't the watch before when i was thinking about what to, to suggest for this or what to say for for my watch on this i didn't actually think of that watch it's only since we started recording it that came to mind i was like oh yeah that's a lot of the bits I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's a nice one. And especially that, that Hedinky one. I mean, Gordon Bennett, that's... Um, so lugs and stuff. Uh, so so short lugs with a bit of a curve. Don't have to be at that size. They don't need to be very dramatic. The, you know, the curve doesn't need to be hugely aggressive. If anything, if it's too aggressive, then that's going to limit 
people that you know as in like other people that could wear this watch so i don't know when i pass this one watch on to my son and it turns out he's much bigger than i am and or whatever then that's kind of that would be annoying wouldn't it yeah so smaller case smaller case so what are you doing lug width then so probably i'm gonna not do what the 54 does and i'm gonna say 19 on a 37 because that's 20 right it's 20 yeah yeah. And I own a lot of 19s, so the watch I'm wearing today is a 19. Um, my recent Railmaster is a 19. I've got I've got a Longines that's a 19. I've got a, an Oris that's a 19. I've got a ton of 19s, and it just doesn't bother me. Uh, the the all these people that whinge about these mid straps sizes. Uh, do you have the internet? Because you know you can buy straps on the internet, and they come in yeah. all sizes. So just the idea, just yeah, I, I kind of I don't I don't subscribe to the whole, you know, I subscribe to the aesthetic, like on the new Explorer that that nineteen mil. Yeah, I was going to say the new Explorer, it makes a massive difference to that watch. I'm not going to say it looks better, because there's something about the old one having that wider. It's noticeably gawky, you know, it's a sort of like awkward yeah. thing, and it used to annoy me for a while. If you wear it on the bracelet, then it's not annoying; you don't notice it. If you wear it on straps, on certain straps, you do notice it. You know, if you've got a, a strap like the one you've got your watch on today, I think you'd see it on that. You know, you've got the 36 yeah, mil. Yeah. And and fun of having had having bought the 36 mil Railmaster and having held that next to the Explorer, supposedly in the same dimensions in inverted commas, they look quite different. The Explorer looks much smaller. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of ties into this too. What's the Railmaster? Is that uh, 19? That's 19, yeah. So that weird juxtaposition of, of, yeah. And I think the wider lugs probably make the, the actual kind of head look smaller, perhaps. Maybe that's what's yeah. going on. I think you need it. Like my, my Aquastar, I think, is an 18 mil, and that's the 37, and it just balances everything. Like you can't have a big wide strap on a watch that size. It just doesn't work, basically. And era-wise, it kind of works, doesn't it, too? Yeah. What other bit? So Loom, I kind of kind of chilled on the Loom side, I, other than the fact that I'd quite like that bluer chromolite type colouring in my Loom. Yeah. In in regards to the actual indices, if it's one watch, then I'm kind of okay with something like the 54. Funny enough, um, I don't need bucket loads of it. So this is let's get into this because I think this is important because the 54 is like this hybrid in the way that the 58 is, which is snowflake hands, oh, okay, like round numerals with the batons. So that's one kind of side. The other side is like Rolex style Mercedes hand batons and dots, or is it complete snowflake? So I I don't I don't have strong feelings either way. If I'm honest, I know that's a kind of that's a cop out, but. I just don't, I kind of like, I, th I think a mix of all of them works. I've seen, you know, we've seen variations of all of these things. I've seen people, I'm thinking of like Seikos and stuff where people have modded them. And that's probably the easiest yeah. way to see some of these weird mixes. And I'm kind of like, yeah, works fine. I'm not traditionally a fan of Mercedes hands and that sort of stuff, if I'm honest. And I think I probably wouldn't go for Mercedes hands. I think I'd probably angle more towards the kind of Omega-y stuff. Um, not, not the watch I'm wearing today. But maybe the Railmaster. Actually, the Railmaster's got some weird ones too, hasn't it? Thinking about it, but what's the Railmaster got? Well, they're just—it's—it's it's a slightly backwards-looking. Um, I find actually, uh, yeah, it, it's not it's like a pointed arrow, right? Yeah, it's that actually. Sort of now I think yeah. about it, it's not that. It's got a certain similarity to this. 
without the broadhand bit, but the fact that it's a slightly odd yeah. setup. Yeah, yeah. It's a, every every time I look down at this watch, um, having only really worn it today and not having not worn it for a few weeks now, probably getting close to a month, it does remind me how well it works. That you know, things things like that. So you talk about peculiar hands. How that's what I mean by I'm not actually that bothered because I, I kind of feel like it often works in lots of different ways. I don't. And there's some things that really annoy me in watches. Hands has never really been one that's particularly bothered me. I'm not sure I've owned any watches that have been terrible on that front, other than the the uh, you know Corona Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the only kind of yeah really bad experience I've had on that front. I say really bad experience. The only kind of negative experience, not necessarily really bad experience. But yeah, okay. So other, I mean, other what what other bits we've got? Things like so the movement. I'm I'm not too fussy about this um I, I would want a sapphire case back so i'd want it to be well finished or at least yeah. some maybe have some fun on the finishing and you know, do some i mean how, how cool would it be to have a blacked out finishing on the movement yeah. i kind of that That'd be cool. thinking of i'm thinking of iwc do some of those sort of blacked out movements and i mean they've got beautiful movements i thought you were gonna go more like coaxial omega modern movement because i know you like that yeah, I mean, aesthetically, sort of that, that's beautiful. But I, I don't know. I, I think you can have a bit of fun with that side because the only person that sees it, it really is you. So I think, and if it's your only watch, I kind of feel like, you know, you go all in. Yeah. But it's, yeah. But I, but again, I don't have strong feelings, particularly in the details on that one. Um, which Do you know what? I'm going to go back on what I said earlier about not, not having the, the, uh, the, case, the case open at the back. I'm, I'm going to have it. Okay. And I'm going to do the thing that they did on that platinum limited edition like um Daytona that they released this year where they uh-huh. they cut they cut the uh the the movement the back, the weight out so that you could see a bit more of what was going on. That's cool. Yeah, that is good. or like a little window in the case back. Like a little window in the case back, but more like I think IWC do it as well so that like this sort of thing where where the where you can kind of see through the hole. Oh, okay. Even though it's got an automatic movement, you can kind of see. It's almost like skeleton eyes, right? Yeah, I'd I'd almost be inclined to say, wouldn't it be fun to have to to actually imagine a closed case back with just a section of that case back as sapphire. Oh, so so if you if you look at the look at most automatic watches and the. Frankly, the, take away decorations for for the rotor, so the rotor will block this every now and again. But you know, you've you've got the the the, the attractive stuff. Essentially, is only really on one corner, so you could have yeah. a little cutout that has that bit on it. That's a good idea, actually. It's kind of, I mean, it's, it's quirky, isn't it? I, I'm trying to think of is there a watch that actually that I know for sure has that? I can't think of one. I'm sure I've seen it done. I can't think what, but but I think that would be a fun thing, and they kind of it's a it's a sort of good, interesting hybrid, isn't it? Because it doesn't really tick either box, so it doesn't have the toughness or the kind of toolishness of one, and it, but it also doesn't have the full visibility of the other. So maybe it's a it, you you don't you lose both ways, but I think it'd be worth a go. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. I've, so I've got a '60s Universal Geneve with an Omega bumper movement in it, and. You kind of get that effect when you take the case back off because the the rotor doesn't spin the whole way around; it just moves from one uh-huh. side to another. It bounces between two springs. Okay. And so you get that effect because you just have only a part of the movement. 
exposed. But yeah, I think that'd be cool. You basically want that, don't you? That sort of a thing where you just have that yeah. balance wheel exposed in the window. That'd, that'd be, be cool, cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. I like that idea. Probably not going to do anything for the waterproofness, but... <laughs> So on that front, we didn't talk about that, did we? I guess there's a there's a there's a certain given that we're going to say. I would say I want 150 plus. I can I can live. You know the the we don't dive, so you know it's kind of and and no one who dives either uses more than that depth. So yeah, it's, I say no one who does it for anything other than a professional thing uses more than that depth. So yeah, I think 100 150 150 kind of feels like a a more suitable one in reality if it's a diver it's probably going to be 200 isn't it is what the expectation would be but i think 150 fine yeah i think that's the flaw like that sort of thing i'd I'd rather forgo forgo depth rating and reduce thickness yeah but we're 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 creeping into the into the functional restrictions aren't we the we, what we'd be decisions we'd be forced to make based on the practical nature and and these sort of things if we're saying if we're building our own watch from in this sort of sense then our budget is half a million and therefore we don't have to worry okay. about any of so this is a one of one made one of one made, it's unique we're we're taking a we're taking um we're taking a person from all of the major swiss watch houses factories or, or you know movement makers or whatever and case makers and, and bring them all into one room and then not feeding them until they make our watch for us. Yeah, that's not that's a joke, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That is a joke. Yeah, we're not actually yeah. doing that. Obviously, it's a... what we'll do is we'll do another episode where where we explain the watches to Ken, and then he then says it's actually going to cost. Says all of this is completely impractical. You guys are idiots. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's it. I think that's our that's our we've described our watches, haven't we? Are you putting a name, like a, a, a brand on the dial? Like, would, would you like a Ooh. particular brand to make this? Or are you going to go with no brand? Are you going to make your own brand up? So you know what? That is that is actually is probably be the toughest watch? question. That's the hardest question because there is no doubt, as much as I would love to say I'm not a brand snob, we're all affected by kind you of advertising put a brand. chicken on it? Yeah, so I, just like that, I couldn't. It, that just ruins it for me. I mean, even the brand name Citizen, if, if, if this is my only watch and, and it has cost half a million to make, then there's no way I want Citizen written on the front. And that's, I mean, you know, I get that's, that's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a silly thing to say, but, but yeah, I think we'd probably all agree that that's, that's the case. No one would want that. So, so which brand, if, I, you know what, something like Blancpain actually would be a brand I'd be very happy to slap on the front. On the basis that oh. it's, you know, watch people know it. It's not, you know, it's not like having Rolex on the front or something, or even Omega or kind of. It doesn't have a lot of the con. It doesn't really have a lot of connotation to it for a lot of watch people. It doesn't really pigeonhole it too much. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, interesting. Um, the recent recent things maybe will change that to an extent, but but not really. I mean, it's a you know, it's block pound still. You know, it's still, still, it's, it's the OG dive watch, isn't it? Um, and yeah. I know people will, yeah. will be irate at me saying that, but frankly, it is. So Rolex back in your box. I like that. I think, I think I'd take that. I think what I do is do what Sarica has done on my what's the model number of the watch I've got fifty three oh three. So on the on the uh, 
on the dial of that they've they it's it's stuck they haven't put their they haven't put their branding on the dial um and they've just got kind of some some writing underneath that kind of the at the uh at the six position and i think I, the reason i can get away with it is because it's i'm going to have that big pizza shaped blue yeah. on top so it will balance it all out so it doesn't need a if i said long island watch company to you do you know what they so they make their own i think they were they were just a watch reseller and they've been making their own watches for a bit and i think very successfully actually they yeah. use just a little symbol and 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 i'm actually using this as a negative thing to say the danger is that it ends up looking a little bit like that which which feels a little bit like it's a, is it a homage brand of some kind is it a yeah uh, which which again the the i chose that i am a snob but that feeling you know so i mean i'm I'm trying to think of other brands like it so things like i don't know things like steinhardt for example that's a great example of watches they make incredibly good watches and i'm sure long island watch company do too but nonetheless you know these watches don't look like you know steinhardt doesn't have a look if you sort of mean they're just using other people's and therefore having another brand stamped on it maybe pigeonholes it so i so i I, and i wonder that people will see if you put something on it so kind of serica styly then it just kind of but or or indeed have it sort of fairly unstamped people can just wonder is it is it just a cheap seiko mod which has which shouldn't matter I, i mean that shouldn't matter i know that's silly it shouldn't matter should it but it does <laughs> yeah or i'm gonna come up with some really nice font and come up with my own brand name which will probably take another half a million dollars to come up with a good name i think we're um all of this is has been done hasn't it really by vpc you know the fratello sort of spin-off i say spin-off yeah. but, you know the the build your own watch brand thing i kind of um segment from fratello that VPC watch that's getting quite close to to hitting prototypes and stuff I think soon and that's looking pretty damn good. Um, a lot yeah. of the stuff we talked about, um, like having the the big center seconds and that sort of stuff, is pretty cool. The what you know the one thing about those that watch that I'm sad they don't have is a black dial. I know it's um yeah. like I think they've got a blue, a green, and then a sort of silvery gray color. I think I just it's got pretty close to to the kind of watch that i would build other than yeah. i'd build a black dial <laughs> yeah and it's not a dive watch right it's not a dive watch i think i can't remember what the i think it's at least 100 meters it might be i mean it, it's more the kind of op side of things but with a, a yeah i mean not but not in an op sense frankly i think you know it's a, it has a notable and has like a i know i'm not a fan of integrated bracelets traditionally but this has a quite a good visual effect of integrated right i so the bracelet looks like it's integrated and indeed if yeah. you were putting you know if you put a strap on it goes the way the lugs i think are formed the strap would would go very close to the actual watch head and therefore has that similar visual effect which i think looks good and so what are you going to have on your watch then are you going to have a bracelet are you having a strap yeah, definitely bracelet uh, starting on a bracelet it'll have a like i'm using iwc as an example of this actually but the um it would have the you know like a quick release bracelet so one that you can right. as long as you can take the bracelet off quickly with just a pop of a button and i say iwc because you know i've had a long jeans with it and that's just yeah. a little bit a little bit clunky a little bit hard going it still does the job 
but but when it's done really well like IWC then then it's it's just genuine like you know squeeze pop off it comes and then you can sap on anything else and you're gonna have that IWC kind of micro adjust on it you know with a special one oh with the yes fun enough that was another bit I hadn't raised that very much so um so a small clasp really subtle with the with the push button so the IWC, if if people don't know, we're looking. You need to go and look it up, or indeed you need to go to your local IWC and have a look at the Mark Twenty because that's the best kind of the obvious example of it. Um, it's so good. It is it is probably my favourite micro adjust that I've never owned. So I've never worn it for a long period of time. But you know, it's that's yeah, it's really subtle. It doesn't have a big old clunky Pelagos Thirty Nine. I'm looking at you, you know, big old massive great clasp. IWC, yeah, IWC nice. is doing a few good things, aren't they? So, so, sorts of similar vibes there, unsurprisingly. Yes. Okay, um, so good stuff. Let's do a bit of homework. We're, into, we're in the final straight. Thank you all for hanging in with us in our perfect watch hunt. Philip, what have, what have you got for us? So my, my homework is a YouTube channel. And so... You've probably realised listening to the podcast that I'm into my cars and my motorbikes and like into the kind of the classic side of things. So there's a there's a there's a really good YouTube channel called Kid in a Sweet Shop, and Kid <laughs> is name. Kid is spelt K I double D, which might give you a bit of a clue as to who's uh, who's it okay. is. So this is Jodie Kid. So some of you will remember her as a fashion model. Some of you remember her as being on TV. She was on Top Gear a bunch of times during the kind of Clarks and Hammond era. And she's got a really, really great podcast, uh, podcast, uh, YouTube videos, um, YouTube channel. And it's like so genuine, like petrol head and so genuine, like interest. It's the sort of stuff that we talk about on t- today. This sort of thing is like obsessions around hobbies and like her passion really comes out in it. And she gets to talk to some really cool people and they're always really interesting. So some of the interesting ones I've watched so far she interviews the founder of the Gumball 3000, which is that kind of big rally cool. with, with the supercars. She interviews James Martin as he talks through, like the celebrity chef James Martin, he talks through his classic car collection, which is full of like cool stuff like Lancia, rally cars and that sort of stuff. Brian Johnson from ACDC, she has on. And then she interviews a load of guys who do like car modifications or classic car like restorers and that sort of thing. And then she'll just do ones where she'll drive like kind of like the sort of cars that are on your or your wall as a kid. It was like Ferrari F50s and that sort of thing. And they're just like, it's very different to normal motoring TV, which is a bit, it's a bit masculine and a bit like... A bit Clarkson. A bit Clarkson, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is just, but this is like just genuine, the same level of genuine passion about like cars and motorsport, but without all of the chauvinism. I guess that goes along with it sometimes. Obviously, she's a lady, but she is an absolute. She is probably more of a petrol head than most of us. And she's got, yeah, it's just like really relaxed interviewing style, but like loads of fun. And again, she gets to just meet and interview the most interesting people. So I'd go and have a look at, yeah, start on like the Gumball Rally one or the James Martin one or something like that. The Nigel Mansell she interviews. Okay. They're kind of n- nostalgic of a sort. Nostalgic, yeah. So it's 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 good. It's 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 good, yeah. So I'd get stuck into into kid in a sweet shop. Cool. 
are they long as in what are we what are we talking like Four, uh, 40 minutes or something okay so uh, that's good so it's like a proper the meaty okay no, that sounds no good. it's not like clickbaity sort of five ten minute videos like and it's the sort of thing you can you could watch but not be like obviously you want to look at it because there's obviously like a nice car but if you're just like interested in the interview and the story which is a lot of it just like listening to the sounds of the cars while yeah. you're like i don't know doing the dishes or whatever and listening to the interviews is, is just as good because it is really interesting actually cool my homework is a weird one mine's more kind of a bit of consumer is form and function does consumer advice uh-oh. And it's a little bit of a, a cheeky one. I, Amazon Business have been bombarding me for a while saying I should set up an Amazon Business account. I think they must know. That. I think I've used my business card on my own account before and they've been bombarding me. And they sent me the other day um, and I'm pretty sure I had, I had a quick look and it seemed fairly easy to come by. A 50% off your first order up to, I think, £120. Okay, so that's not dramatic from the point of view of buying for, for business, if you sort of mean. But in regards to being able to get cool toys that are very much in the form and function kind of arena. So, so how many torches did you buy for your business, James? <laughs> okay, so I didn't, I didn't buy any torches. I have bought, I bought a power bank, I bought some cables, and most interestingly, I bought another Nipex. So I bought the, the Nipex 8601180, so 180, 100, well, 180 mil nipex which is the the one that is the gap i didn't have or in the so not the water pump one but the actual closed plier one yeah in the non-treated finish so the black finish rather than the, the sort of silvered finish yeah if you're not familiar with a nipex do you want to describe what one of those is to the listeners because i think it's a pretty cool bit of kit it's uh they're essentially the adjustable pliers very simply uh the the job they they do an awful lot more than that, but a man, picture picture a plumber trying to change uh, some washers under your sink. I don't know if you've ever seen that, so maybe don't picture that. I don't know, but it's uh, essentially they're yeah they're, they're adjustable pliers. So they have what well, you press, you can push a button on the side of them. They have all sorts of different ones. Obviously, Nipex are a big big company, big brand, um, with lots of different products. But the 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 ones that made them famous were the water pump pliers, which are they adjust from. Uh, a surprisingly impressive 20 mil down to seven mil something like that on one plier so that's a good that's a hell of a range if you think of the number of spanners that you'd want to get to that same thing it's for, from one tool that's hugely impressive and yeah. it's, i think it's a german brand super tough bit of kit but they look cool so so it's that double whammy of it's the form is is awesome but the function is just as awesome so it's 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 I came I came across them years ago when I first what about a decade plus ago when I first started doing the job I do now and I and I you come across them and you know in in a normal an actual plumber's bag so it's not just tool posers like me who you know use them every now and again it is actual tradesmen use them yeah they're yeah. expensive obviously compared to normal ones but two of those in your in your bag which is I have is frankly replaces a set of spanners yeah they do. I've got a pair in my, so I've got the um, the spanner type one, so that like the, that look like obviously a plumber's grip, but they're actually spanner and they're kind of, so instead of having an adjustable spanner, and I've managed to take the back wheel off a motorbike with those, and if you've had, ever had to do that, you'll know that it needs a lot of torque, you need a lot of grip, and usually you sometimes need a breaker bar, 
in an emergency, I've had to do that before. And I just have one, like you say, one set in my tool roll that goes on the bike and it will take the whole bike apart or, or be able to do every bolt. They are really impressive bits of kit. Well, no doubt they will crop up repeatedly on the podcast over as time goes on. But in my opinion, the sweet spot size, they make them all the way down to, I think about a, I think like a hundred mil, I think is the smallest size they do, which is absolutely tiny. If you want to look on my Instagram, you'll see, I do sometimes post those along with my EGC stuff. And I think I've got a 250 is my, is my big boy for, for kind of plumbery type stuff. But a 180 is a good, in my opinion, is the sweet spot in, in the middle. I think I've also got a 125 and a 150, but of different like different heads, so like water pump pliers and and the spannery type um, or spanner spanner hybrid pliers. But yeah, so the consumer advice bit was really just you know you can't argue with with 60 quid off. So you're so basically halved the price. So I think these would have been about 45 pounds, so a ton for just a single tool. Some might argue, but at 22 pounds 40, kind of a kind of a no-brainer so uh, i i don't know i didn't appear to get any limitations with from amazon business they didn't really ask for evidence that i have a business or anything like that they just offered me to sign up i signed up i you know i I do have a business so i guess maybe they do did check something but it didn't seem like they did so just i give it a go yeah guinea hacking yeah and get some cool toys um you know we're nearing christmas buy yourself some presents (laughs) yeah nice best kind of christmas shopping so thank you for listening everybody if you want to get in touch with us please reach out our website is now is now fully functioning so form and function podcast.com took me a second there.com or indeed on our instagram form function podcast or one word or by email our gmail account is form and function podcast at gmail.com thank you cheers